Welcome to the Totally Dissolved Podcast. I'm Bronwyn Serna. And I'm Kathy Hilbert. We're two coffee pros who want to make learning about coffee fun and accessible for other coffee pros. You'll hear fun and informative interviews, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your coffee life. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's jump into this week's dose of an education in caffeination. Hey, Kathy. Hi, Bronwyn. How's Hello. it going? Uh, good. How are you? How's your week? It's been good. I've been doing a lot of fun coffee drinking with people this week, so it's been it's been a good week. Nice. Yeah. What's the uh, most exciting thing with all of your coffee? The most drinking? exciting this week. There's two things. One, I got to have a fun tasting yesterday with a boba tea place. And then today I got to drink a fun geisha from Rare Glow. Um, yeah, that was absolutely delicious. Very so cool. thank you, Lisbeth at Dayglow, for brewing me that delicious cup earlier. Amazing. How about you? Um, I just I feel a little busy, but it's been good stuff, fun stuff like this. It's just that I don't normally do things after work. Uh, I like to go home and have my little routine and then yes. get lots of sleep, but uh, this week, not so much. <laughs> um, but it's been good. I've been making it work, and yeah, it's been lots of fun stuff. Last night, uh, I had two friends over, my roommate and I hung out and played Ticket to Ride with our friends, fun. and we had pizza and I made some snickerdoodles, yes. and you know, low-key, but super fun and definitely worth feeling a little bit busy for but yeah sounds like glad a good time. glad we did it exactly well what's in your cup today Kathy well let me tell you what's in our cups <laughs> yes we're both <laughs> drinking the same coffee today I made coffee for Bronwyn and I um so I got this coffee from my friend Tony who I mentioned on our last episode um he has two companies um one's like a subscription um and then the other is just wholesale roasting um so i recommend checking them both out but this one is from um acorn coffee club which is his subscription business and uh this is las lajas from costa rica so how do you process absolutely tasty um very good really enjoying it i was afraid it wasn't good um but brown assured me that it was and then after taking a few sips i was like okay i did a good job brewing it um, don't want to misrepresent this delicious coffee, but yeah. it's good. No, you represented it well. I'm t- it's super creamy, cherry, nutty. Yeah, it's it's chocolatey. Sh- it shines. Thanks, Tony, for doing such a good job. Yes. So, yeah, check out Acorn Coffee Club. It's a good food award winner as well. Super exciting for him. Um, and then if you are interested, Silverbird is his other business. He doesn't know I'm doing this, by the way. So, sorry and you're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you, Kathy, for brewing such a delicious cup. Of course. Yeah. Happy to share. Yeah. And we are so excited today. Episode two is our first official episode with our very first guest. Our first guest. So exciting. Very excited to welcome Layla Gumpari. Yes. Longtime friend, longtime coffee pro. Hi, Layla. <laughs> hey, you two. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for Thanks joining for us. 
Yeah, thanks yeah. for being guest one. Oh, I'm, what an honor. I, I'm very excited to chat with you both. So Layla, <laughs> we start every episode with asking, well, we ask each other what's already in our cup. So both Kathy and I are drinking a beautiful Las Lajas Costa Rican from Acorn Coffee Roasters. So what's in your cup if you have anything? That in? sounds delicious. Um, well, I'm... <laughs> I'm somewhat embarrassed to tell you what's in my cup, but I shouldn't be. But um, I have been drinking my coffee very different these days um, than I normally did in the past. And so um, I have been using my coffee as a, a, a way to get the, um, the nutrients I need while in pregnancy. So um, along with coffee, which I think right now I have the um, Peru Chair Pampa from Stumptown is what we're brewing. But I also have some collagen in there. I've got some honey and I've got some steamed raw milk. So uh, <laughs> my, my cup is looking a little different than it has before. But you know what? It's delicious and nourishing regardless of, of how you drink it. So <laughs> That sounds amazing. So good, actually. Yeah. I feel like yeah. Chirp I'm, Pampa is a great coffee for putting stuff in, too. Like, totally. Yes. I, I definitely, the more that I put cream and sugar in my coffee these days, I realized that there are definitely cream and sugar coffees versus not cream and sugar coffees. Uh, Ryan brought home a bag of something the other day and I was like, no, this is, this does not taste like what I want it to. He's like, oh, but it's so delicious. And I'm like, not with cream and sugar in it. It doesn't taste that great with cream and sugar in it. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been a, it's been a good journey for me to also get to see the other side of, uh, how customers enjoy our coffee. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of starting to skew a little bit more in the the more like medium to dark rose, you know, chocolatey notes because it tastes good with my uh, my honey and milk. <laughs> no shame. Nice. It's as long as it's tasty. <laughs> that's what's important. Yes. So for those of you, which I think would be very hard to not know who Layla is, but Layla, for True. those that are new to to you, um, can you give us a little background about who you are, what you've done, where you're working now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been working in coffee industry for, man, I think it's been like 15 years now, but I kind of grew up in it. Um, my family started a coffee company in Seattle, Washington called Cherry Street Coffee House. So uh, I've been at, had the opportunity to really be involved in coffee and the coffee industry and see coffee shops from a very early age. Um, but I started working in coffee, um, when I was, uh, kind of freshly out of high school. Um, and I really fell in love with it and, uh, grew my, my career in coffee. I've, I've worked, um, at Cafe Ladro in, in Seattle as a coffee educator. Um, I worked for my father's company for a number of years. Um, as a director of coffee there. Um, and while I was there, I won the 2014 United States Barista competition. Um, and since then, I have been at Stumptown Coffee Roasters, where I originally started out as the director of um, education. And I am currently the director of cafes, supporting our retail cafes. So um, I've had a very uh, fun journey in coffee, but mostly in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I used to be a barista at some town and I find myself back there and, and have been really happy there. Amazing. And I get to work with Layla a little less directly these days, but, um, I'm glad that you're at some town as well. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was really excited to see you two working together. Obviously, I've had a chance to work really closely with Kathy and Bronwyn is a, also a, a old Pacific Northwest uh, pal of mine. So I've known Bronwyn for a really long time. Uh, so it's back. cute to see you both in uh, <laughs> Los Angeles because I didn't meet either of you in Los Angeles. So. I know. And we actually just put together recently. We're both from here. Yes. So mm. originally. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. One of the things that I've always admired about you, Layla, is that you do come, like you said, from a huge coffee background because your dad owns Cherry Street and also her brother owns Seattle Bagel. Is that right? Is that the, is that what your brother? Yeah. Yeah. Seattle Bagel Bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Which is delicious bagels in Seattle. So the entrepreneurial spirit is very strong in her family. And I wonder what, like, what was it about being around coffee that made you want to go in there? Because our topic for today is like, obviously, each of us has come into the coffee industry because we love coffee. And specifically, something about coffee drew us in. For me, it was studying in, in Starbucks, specifically the Starbucks in University Village when I was there at UW studying. Um, and I loved like not only watching people, but I loved interacting with the baristas. Like the baristas there really got to know me, which was so funny. And, I, and it was when they still had like the three group linea before they were even, yeah. before they even switched over to super autos. So... Yeah, so that's my question for you. The first one is, what really drew you in? And from there, what what drew you into education? Well, you know, I, I like I said, I grew up going with my dad to coffee shops. Um, you know, I, when I was, I mean, I was probably in first grade or younger, I used to go to work with my dad and he'd let me ring people up. Um, and so I, you know, look at the little chart. This was back, this was the old school days. So this was, you know, you'd look at the price and add it up on a calculator and then plug it into the, the little push button POS, um, that made all the, the fun noises and everything. Uh, and I used to do that for a couple hours and then he'd give me some money and I'd walk down the street to the magic mouse toy store and buy some toys and stuff like that. So I got to go to work with him a lot when I was a kid, um, and especially on the weekends, he would take me in. And I remember when he would go pick up the pastries, like the fresh pastries from the um, B&O Espresso is who made our, our baked goods at the time. And uh, I'd be in the back seat, kind of like asleep because it'd be 530 in the morning. And then he'd pick up the fresh pastries and the smell would wake me up. And I'd like crawl into the back to grab a fresh blueberry muffin. Um, so the whole coffee shop experience more than the coffee, I didn't really get into coffee for a really long time, but being in a coffee shop, um, getting, you know, the baristas making me hot chocolates and having those fresh, fresh pastries and just the, the people coming and going and, and the way my dad interacted with them and engaged with them was always something that was really mesmerizing to me. So I think the overall cafe experience was something that just is super nostalgic to me and why when I travel these days anywhere in the world like all I want to do is go find coffee shops to hang out in and look at and see what they're doing because it feels so familiar um, and important to my life in terms of actually starting to enjoy coffee um, I 
fell into it super fast and very intensely, which is kind of the Layla Gambari way. But um, <laughs> I, you know, as soon as I got into it, it was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I love it. I want to drink coffee all the time. I want to be at cuppings and I want to go to coffee events and I want to do barista competitions and just do everything involving the coffee industry. So I really got excited about it. Um, and where I moved into it full time and coffee education kind of became more important to me was I was actually going to school for early childhood education. And my, it had always been my plan to be, um, to be a teacher for, um, young, younger kids. And so I was going to school for early childhood education and I reached the point in schooling where I needed to start actually working in a school and doing like practicum work. And I just wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready to stop being a barista and to jump full time into being a teacher. And so I decided I was just going to pause that and continue working in coffee. And then when I got bored of it, I would go back to school and then I never got bored of it. And uh, I found a way to practice education within the coffee industry. And um, that became really where I wanted to, to focus my energy. That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. Um, so you and I have gotten to work together in a couple of different capacities around education, um, obviously at Stumptown. Um, but also you did some consultation when I was at Spy House, when I was an educator there. Um, and so I'm sure you've also done a lot of consult consultations with other education programs and people. So what do you think from all of your experience as an educator, um, hiring educators, consulting educators, what makes a good educator? So I was thinking about this and I, I actually think that this is something I've become more aware of as I've started to do more mentorship and getting to work with um, younger baristas that are kind of growing in their career and they, they're asking themselves what's next for me. And a lot of times coffee education is something that they think of as, well, this is where I want to go next. And a lot of times that's because they think they're very knowledgeable about coffee. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is that just knowing coffee or understanding coffee or believing that you know a lot about coffee is not necessarily an indication of whether you're going to be a good educator. Just because you know something doesn't mean you should teach it. Um, I think being a teacher is a very specific skill set. And one of those skill sets is that your desire is not to be right. Your desire is to see other people grow, um, to help people learn in whatever capacity they need. So it's not your way, it's the way that they need to be taught to learn. Um, and your end goal is to really see someone learn a new skill and feel confidence in that skill. And that actually takes a lot of humble um, uh, approaches. And so um, I think that people that, um, and I think why it fits so well for me when I was wanting to be a teacher for young children, um, not that I was teaching, I've ever taught young children how to make coffee, but it is someone who is in an infancy of a skill set, right? They right. don't generally know a lot about coffee. I would say of my, my experience, probably 80 to 90% of people have very little coffee experience. There's only um, you know, the occasion where you are training someone who's very knowledgeable about coffee, but for the most part, you're training new people on how to make coffee and be a barista. Um, and everybody learns so differently 
And if your desire is to just tell them what you know, then more than likely um, the experience that the person gonna, is going to have is not going to be as educational as we would like it to be. So um, stepping into those spaces as we're all here to learn together, um, you know, being able to pivot when necessary, being able to try something new if it's not working, um, to, to see each person as someone that needs to be molded and supported and that your job is to just be there and find that path for them. Um, you know, it's a really, it's a, it's a really special experience. And, um, I, I think that I learn so much every time I teach somebody, they always teach me something, whether it's literally something about how people see coffee or it's okay. When this, this happens in the future or someone that maybe they, they didn't understand this, or if I would have said it differently this time, um, maybe they would have got it if I would have started here or something like that. It's just so much opportunity there. So, um, I think what makes a good educator is that your, your ultimate motivation is to see someone grow, not to be right, um, to teach and show up where people are at, not expect people to meet your, um, your standards right away or to, to mold to you, but for you to mold to them. Um, and so it requires you to be humble and flexible. And those are all, to be quite honest, pretty challenging things. Um, to do to set aside your ego when you know that you're probably you know more you know smarter than this person and know much more than this person but that's not the point you're there to to help to, to see them grow yeah for sure yeah, and I think that's so important to just like yeah it's not education isn't about you it's about the other person or right. other people and I think what you're saying about ego too I think that's what keeps us from being able to admit when we're wrong. But those people don't care if you're wrong because they don't know anything. And it's okay to come and say, hey, the last time we talked, I told you this thing and I learned this other thing since then. Um, but it's hard to yeah. do that part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I would say something that I've learned over the years and actually was something that I learned when I was going to school for education is um, and, and Kathy probably has had a chance to experience as I built out the Stumptown education is that you really want to go into it, assuming that someone um, doesn't really know anything that you're going to talk to them about. So everything needs to be defined. Everything needs to be um, communicated in a way that um, you're assuming that they don't know. So when I even say, you know, we're going to grab the portafilter, just assuming that the person knows what a portafilter is, is like already going too far ahead and, Kind of letting your own knowledge trump what this person potentially already knows and so um, to make them feel comfortable to set them up for success you want to start it off with assuming they don't know what a portafilter is and it's better that we define what this is so that they feel comfortable when i use that term and that they start to use that term and then building on education so we're going to start here and you're going to practice this skill now we're going to add in this additional skill and we're going to practice it again and now we're going to add another skill and practice again and build and grow on top of that and um, you know, everybody learns in different ways. So whether that's visual, auditory, hands-on, you kind of want to assume I have no idea how this person learns. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit all of those. So how do I, how do I teach you this in all three of those, those possibilities so that I know that you're going to walk away with knowing how to do this. If you are a kinesthetic learner versus a visual learner, I did both. So you're going to, you're going to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's so much you have to think about and how you approach those those situations and for sure putting your ego aside and just and just 
being flexible and molding to that person is really important. What are, like, I always love sitting in on other classes that trainers and educators teach. Like, I, like, since counterculture, since working for counterculture, I've had the opportunity, and because I'm not the educator in our region, which is sad, but also really fun, like, I get to step back and just let our educator do her job, who is wonderful, Masha, Masha Sanozina, she's amazing, but you get to learn from other educators. What is, um, from, from your experience, seeing, because I know that you've, you've also participated with Specialty Coffee Association um, in various capacities, and also just with the different companies you've worked with, what are some common mistakes that you've seen in educators, or what are some, and also like what are some great things that you've learned Common, common mistakes, I think, um, I, I would say most often is that um, th that sort of assumption that people know a little bit more than they do or that you can start talking about something and that, that because they're in a coffee space, they understand that. And it's almost like they jump the gun and all of a sudden they're talking about this, how to pull a shot of espresso and the person's like, Man, I don't even know what an espresso is. Like... You know, there's like you're already kind of put them in an uncomfortable place. And I, I really think to be open to education, you have to feel really comfortable because it is really vulnerable. Like you don't know anything and this person's going to teach you it and you are going to make mistakes in front of them. And they obviously are very smart at what they're doing. And so it, it can be a really intimidating setting to walk in to. And so um, I think, uh, showing up to a space and, and being an intimidating person is, is a challenging thing and something I see very often. Um, but I, I also think that, uh, you know, a mistake that, not a mistake, I guess, obviously this wouldn't be a mistake, but where I see educators personally have a lot of challenges that is confidence. Um, it's almost the exact opposite. It's like this sort of imposter syndrome sort of thing. Like the person walks mm -hmm. in and they're intimidated by the trainer but the trainer is actually really intimidated by the students. <laughs> um, and so, you know, early on as an educator is developing um, when they, when they let their, when they let their, their um, lack of confidence take over in a scenario um, and, and can't really, can't really adjust, can't really pivot because they're like, this is, I need to do it this way. And, and when someone challenges them, they get flustered or, you know, whatever that situation is, is um, we, I tend to see them get kind of just, it gets a little messy. Um, and I think in both of those scenarios, if we can walk into a situation of, I am your peer, this isn't about me being smarter than you or knowing more than you. There, our goal here is to both learn. I'm here to support you, um, you know, ask questions, be curious, you know, you, ask more of me and, and uh, like ask questions you don't that I'm not going to know. And how do I respond in that situation? And the simple, I, I don't know, I'll look into that for you is a really easy way to respond to that. That doesn't make you look like you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I think that it, it, it's important for in any situation, whether you are lacking confidence or you're overly confident, um, the best way to walk in those scenarios is always to just be as humble as you can and, and accept that 
Um, not everything's going to go exactly the way it is, but the, the end goal is hoping that this person is developed and learned and, um, and you're just there to foster that. Yeah. Um, I think the example of the person not having confidence, I've definitely experienced that with certain people who come on really strong coming into a training. They're like, oh yeah, I know all these things. Um, how do you give good feedback, especially in those situations? Like what are your tips for, I guess me and our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've had a lot of situations where I spoke to how, um, most of the time we're training people that are new to coffee, but then there's the occasion where you are training someone who has decent coffee experience, or they have a lot of coffee experience, but they not necessarily in the way that you're going to be teaching them. So maybe they've been working at um, a coffee shop that doesn't weigh their shots or dial in for a really long time. And they feel very confident in their ability to pull a shot of espresso and do latte art, but tasting espresso and adjusting the grind and all those things are, are very new to them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people can walk into those situations and feel like I already know how to make coffee. I don't really need you to teach me this. And it can be a challenge to um, teach those people. I had that experience a lot working in Seattle specifically because everybody's been a barista <laughs> in Seattle and that's kind of true for the Northwest, but that's I think Seattle true. specifically. Um, and so you were always training someone who has a little bit of a coffee experience or, um, you know, just kind of knew, thought they knew what they were doing. So again, approaching those situations as humbly as possible and acknowledging that always really worked for me. So I'd always started off with like, you know, what, what's your coffee experience? And then they would talk about it. And if they would go into like, you know, I've worked at this place and this place, and I've been making coffee for this long, you know, whatever it's like, okay, this is potentially someone who's going to have an issue with that. And then you start to be like, okay, we're going to pull some shots. And they just like grab the porta filter and like start doing stuff. And you're like, okay, this is definitely going to be someone that I'm going to have to give a little bit of guidance. And so, um, I would try and combat that right at the start. And what would really work for me would be to um, acknowledge that they're very intelligent and that they have a lot of experience that they're bringing to the table. Um, But to ask them to be open to this new way of, of, of training. So it would generally be, you know, I know that you've worked at some really great coffee shops and you've obviously been working in coffee for a super long time, maybe even longer than me. That's really amazing. You you obviously know how to pull shots. You're obviously a skilled barista. Um, but here at this cafe, we pull our shots slightly different and we steam our milk a little bit different than you did at your other cafe. And um, so I'm going to go ahead and show you how we do it. And I know you're going to be totally capable of, of following these procedures because you're obviously very talented. You know how to do this. And so this is just kind of a little bit of an adjustment. So, um, you know, this will be a really great challenge for you to, to try out something new. So a little bit of like ego stroking on to them, you know, to make them feel like, oh yes, this person sees that I'm very talented. Um, and, and generally that works really well. Um, and on the occasion I would be like, oh, like, I see that you know how to tamp. I'm going to show you a different way. And I want you to give me, I want you to try that out and, and see how you feel about it. Because the other side of this is I always felt very confident in myself at that point to be like, you know, everybody can see milk 20 different ways. Um, and maybe even get sort of the same result, but like, I know that this is the best way, like the easiest way and most consistent way to steam milk. And so, 
even though there are these other ways, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to try and do it this way and ask them then afterwards, like, does that feel okay? Or like, do you feel like you could, you can steam it that way? Um, and so it's just kind of like letting them be a part of the process a little bit more. Um, not saying this is how you're going to do it when you're here, but just more, um, I'd like you to give this a try. Can you, can you try it out and then let me know how you feel about it afterwards? Do you see the difference in how we do it versus that, that way? Um, you know, you're still achieving the same end result. And so I'd like to see you do it this way because this is how everybody else will be doing it. Um, you know, you're going to be looked at as an example. And so, um, I'd like to see you following the same rules that I'm asking everybody else to do. Uh, you know, so it's a little, it's like kind of, <laughs> you have to step into this like coaching role, uh, that goes beyond just coffee education, but it's like employee coaching and education, you know, how are you a team player? How are you stepping into this? But, um, you know, again, this is where you have to set aside that ego. And so, uh, it, it, it's, it's very hard to be an educator if you are, if you're someone that really wants to just be right, the, the right person in the room, honestly, I, I just think it's a, it's a really big challenge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like your way or the highway is never the right way. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be hitting the highway quite often. So yeah. <laughs> I've always found like, especially as a previous, like being, having education also and training as my coffee background, like there are so many different ways to learn things and so many fun and good ways to do things. Like just having your way, one for me just seems kind of boring because, yeah. you know, and it, 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 you as an educator also need to be learning different things and mm -hmm. getting the, those different perspectives. Can you speak to a time, like what is the most favorite thing that you've learned as an educator over the years? Like, that either changed your mind about how, like your, or your perspective about doing something a certain way? That's a good question. Well, I mean, I, I don't think at the top of my head I can think of like one specific thing, but while I was the director of education for Stumptown, I was working with, at the time, we had three educators in each of our three markets. And so I had nine educators um, plus the, the senior manager um, Emily Rosenberg, who is now the, the director of education. Um, so I was working with 10 people that all had very, very different training styles. And I got to sit in on their trainings, all of all 10 of them, and every single one of them trained so differently. And it was really eye-opening for me because I'd never actually worked with other trainers. Um, I had trained people that were like barista educators within their cafes but never were they teaching classes on their own. And this was 10 people that were taking complete control of a, of a room and training people on how to make coffee. And it was so interesting to see how, how different each one of them did things and like taking away something from each one of them, whether it was like a story they would tell or an analogy that they would, would tell, or um, like a, uh, one of my favorite things would always be how they would con like congratulate someone like when they do a good job what it was like good job or one person would always like clap their hands all the time and one person would like jump up and down and be super excited and the other person would snap or whatever it was it was just fun to see how each person's personality would 
enter their training. And in the end, they all were great trainers. They all achieved the same thing, but they all achieved that achieved it in completely different ways. You're all teaching the same education, but they all had their own little twist. And um, it was just such a treat to see again, that you can, as long as you're, heart is in it and your goal is to see people thrive it doesn't really matter exactly how you do it and there is no right answer it's just like how do you adapt to these people and and make it work and make it fun like man there's nothing worse than like sitting in a training that's boring oh my goodness you can see it in everyone's face you know (laughs) so (laughs) it's uh it's not fun and and I think that that was always something we that 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 team at that time was so good at it. it was always so fun to listen to them. they're so passionate and that stuff is infectious like when someone's excited to talk to you about coffee you get excited to talk about coffee and, and hear about it so totally um i guess kind of on that note but from a different perspective um we've been talking about like doing things a certain way for the skills because we know that that's the best way to do it but then also having this individualized approach. Um, How do you let go of specific ways of doing things when you're teaching people new skills when that thing doesn't really matter for the outcome? I think especially Mm -hmm. as people who have become trainers because we care a lot about how things are done, we have really specific opinions on how people... I don't know, like clean up the counter, things like that that don't matter for the outcome of the beverage. How do you move past that? Or what are your tips on moving past that? (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I, I think in my time is like um, doing barista competitions, it really like that exactly what you're saying of like, well, this is the way you're supposed to do it. And as you said, you have to do it that way. Um, gets really ingrained in you uh, because competitions are so specific. And so you're like, no, the, the plate has to be sitting here and the, the you have to fold your, your towel this way and you, you have to do it this way. Um, and if you don't do that, you just lost five points. So why would you do that? Right. <laughs> um, but with obviously with like coffee shops, I think one thing that helped me is working for uh, coffee companies that had wholesale accounts and always having to acknowledge like, I am never, this is not my coffee company. This is not my cafe. These are not my baristas. This is somebody else's business and they're going to do things the way that they want to do it. And it, my job is to help you on the path to making great coffee. If you guys decided to do it this way, or you want them to steam the milk to this temperature, or you want them to do whatever, that's fine. But I, my goal is to make for you to make great coffee. So what are some things that need to potentially be adjusted or would be my recommendation to you to achieve that? How you get there, you know, the little things like that don't really matter as long as you're like, you know, I still need you to adjust the grind if the shots are running too fast. Like you still need to meet these parameters, but like if you guys decide to not do it this way or that way, that's fine. So you kind of have to be open to it when you're um, training wholesale accounts because you, you don't get to tell them how they are going to do it. Um, and so you're really just there to advise. Um, but I've also worked for a lot between Cafe Lodro, Cherry Street Coffee House, and Stumptown. I, these are coffee companies that have multi-locations and consistency between stores is really, really important. And so 
being able to also say, this is how it needs to be done. Because when someone walks into this store or that store or that store, I want them to get the same exact experience. And so you guys don't get to steam it to this temperature and you guys don't get to steam it to this temperature and you don't get to put this many grams of chocolate in versus this many grams of chocolate. Everybody's got to do it the exact same way. And so I always, um, I, I really believe that you can't hold people to standards you haven't set. And so setting standards for everything, whether that is like, this is how we pull shots. This is how we steam milk. This is how we clean the espresso machine. This is how much syrup or sauce or whatever we put into every cup is really important so that there's a kind of North star for people to, to be tracking towards um, and not leaving this vague ambiguity that people can kind of insert their own answers into um, is all really important. But I, but I do think that the um, letting go of those things and honestly, <laughs> the, the biggest tool for that has been just, how long I've been in coffee, how we make coffee versus when I started versus now could not be more different. And so you, you kind of have to own up to the fact that things are going to change and the way I used to make do things or what used to be right is not right anymore. Um, it's, it blows my mind to think I used to work at a coffee shop where we dialed in three different individual coffees and three different grinders and we didn't use scales. I don't even know if I could pull a shot of espresso without a scale right now. Like, I don't even know, like, well, you can't. how do you know how much coffee's in there? How, totally how do you know how much coffee's <laughs> in your board? <laughs> like, we, we like knew, we like knew at that time, somehow how much coffee was in our porta filter, but we didn't use a scale. So uh, I think that time is definitely my biggest teacher at this point. Uh, I mean, especially the fact that I drink my coffee the way I do nowadays, it's like old, old Layla would be embarrassed of myself, but, um, you know, you just, you change and everything evolves and we don't make coffee the same way we used to. So you got to adapt. <laughs> totally. Awesome. Thank you. I think that looks like one of the best things about like from when Layla and I started out in coffee to now, like for me, especially, I just find it so fun to look back at the early 2000s to now 22 years later it's it's amazing years. it's amazing just yeah. you like, know broadman random story um the coffee shop heinz public market yes r.i.p so love it <laughs> i feel like wasn't there a coffee shop like or there was a cafe or something across the street that used to serve raw milk i feel like raw milk was yes. like this weird thing back then yes so that was um where the original Sitka and Spruce, also RIP. That's right. That, that was the original Sitka and Spruce, and Spruce um, location. And the chef slash owner, Matt, Matt Dillon. Um, hi, Matt, if, you, if you're listening. He <laughs> now lives on Vashon, still, still in the restaurant industry, still doing amazing food. Um, but yeah, he was one of the very first chefs in the Seattle area to actually kind of champion raw milk um, and start that raw milk movement in Seattle. Yeah, it's, it's so random because I think that that was like a legendary thing in Seattle, like this this one place that there was like serving raw milk and it was like illegal at the time. <laughs> and uh, when I did my first ever barista competition, I actually used raw milk and it was because of that like legend. I was like, well, they're using raw milk and so it must be like something particularly special about it so I'm going to use raw milk. And then 
fast forward five, six years, I think five years later, I used that exact same dairy farm when I competed in the, the U.S. barista competition and won. And I used raw milk for that. And now I drink raw milk because I live in farmland in the middle of nowhere and you just get milk from your neighbor. So Which is amazing. <laughs> uh, I drink it now too, but it's just, that's so funny because I associate that kind of legend with you for some reason because it was across the street from it was across the street from Heinz so yeah anyway that's a very random story <laughs> but also very appropriate because you 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 I have always associated you Layla with just like yeah that particular because like your mom is also a huge gardener my mom is a huge gardener and so they both have beautiful <laughs> vegetable gardens so I've always known Layla to like be very, very much of a farm. And now you live on one and I'm living the most idyllic life ever. (laughs) Like I want to come visit you and like meet your chickens and ride the tractor. Come come anytime. Yes. I know. I feel very invested in the lives of your chickens. Yes. Are they staying warm? (laughs) Don't don't get too invested because uh, they, they, they don't tend to stick around very long, I'll be honest. But uh, we will we will be getting some new little chicks here in probably March. So we'll have some new little yes. ones joining. Amazing. Um, yeah. Amazing. You know. Nice. Well, one of the last portions of our show is called Teachable Spromans, where we ask our guests um, something that either a story that they can share that's either funny or something useful, something that they've taken away from, from their time in education. Oh, shoot. Guys. Well, um, I, can, I can go first <laughs> if that helps, because we also usually yeah, answer yeah. this question. Um, I've been trying to collect them throughout the week so that I remember what to talk about. Um, but my teachable experiment for this week was... I was teaching a workshop on troubleshooting for some managers of a company market down here. And I had like practiced the week before pulling off the spouts of my portafilter, putting them back on, and got it back together because I was going to demonstrate how to do it. And I nailed it. It was great. The day of, I used my portafilter in the training lab I used the one from the cafe before. My O-rings are destroyed. So I pulled the spout off during the workshop. And rather than this like rounded piece of rubber, it's like flat. And that thing was not going back on the portafilter. Oh no. And so I had to be like, well, this is a great example of, you know, what can happen to your O-rings. And so I used it. To, you know, <laughs> make another point, but it was a little bit embarrassing. That's so, a great teachable spromit. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think uh, my message to everyone from that one is to um, prepare with the things that you're going to actually be using. Yeah, I remember when those breakaway portafilters came out for the first time, and it was like impossible to get them back on, like just absolutely impossible and yeah. you'd have to like soak them or put like grease on them or something They're it's just like impossible. never I could never get them back on 
now that I think that they've adjusted the 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 O-rings or something, but man, they used to be impossible to get back on. Um, I do have a good moment for this week, a, a laughable moment. Um, so my husband, Ryan Wilbur, um, he works for Seneso, um, but used to work for La Marzocco. And so sometimes uh, I'll ask him random questions about certain things because we use La Marzocco machines at um, Stumptown. And I was in one of the cafes and I was doing some recipe testing on some signature drinks for summer. And uh, I was kind of listening to what the baristas were talking about. And I, I, in hindsight now, realized that I misread the whole conversation. But what I thought they were talking about was um, that if you pushed like a button, um, the steam wand handle of a PB, it bursts out um, steam. So like instead of twisting it, you could like push it like a button and it would give like a burst of steam. And I was like, oh, that's wild. I've been working in coffee forever and I had no idea you could just like push. I, I had no the idea. No, you can't. You can't actually do that. Okay, that's what <laughs> so I thought. Like, <laughs> so I got home and I was like, Brian, this is so crazy. I had no idea you could like push the PB uh, steam wand button and it, and it like sprayed, you know, steam. And he was like, that's not a thing. That's not how that works. <laughs> if that's happening on your machine, your like valve is broken. And I was like, no, no, no. They were talking, they were having a whole conversation about it. I think it's a thing. And he was like, I've, I've trained on that thing and taught it to tons of people and installed it into a million places. That's not how that's supposed to work. That might be happening on your machine, but that means your machine's broken and you should probably get that fixed. Get a new valve <laughs> body. That's a yearly maintenance thing, people. <laughs> exactly. So either uh, I totally misread the whole conversation and they were not actually pushing the button and I'm crazy, or they were and I need to call Black Rabbit to come fix the machine because <laughs> that thing is broken. <laughs> that but is so thankful that I have my husband at home to tell me that I'm crazy and that that's not how that equipment works. So. Amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's a good one. Well, <laughs> Thank you so much, Layla. That was so fun. And I hope everyone got a chance to take away something useful in this conversation. Yeah. Wait, do you have a Teachables from? Oh, do I have a Teachables from this week? No. Because I, <laughs> I just drank good coffee all week. So, yeah. My Teachables from is never stop drinking good coffee. Hang out and drink coffee. Hang out and drink coffee. Love it. Or, or continue to drink Greek coffee, but put some cream and sugar in it. Yeah. Either way. That, the... And collagen. All good. Collagen. All good. It does, it's, it's great. Great for the joints. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for doing this. And uh, hopefully we won't embarrass you since no one's heard this before. Um <laughs> Hey, well, I'm, I'm really excited to, to be on here, and I'm, I think this is a really cool um, thing that you both are doing. You two are a wealth of knowledge, and I respect you both so much. And so I know that uh, people will learn a lot from, from hearing from you both. So thanks for having me on. That was awesome. Um, I hope that those of you who are educators listening learn something helpful to use in your upcoming training, um, maybe things to work on in your overall style of training, and those of you who are maybe thinking about expanding your coffee career, learned a little bit more about what it takes to be an educator, uh, whether or not it's for you, or if maybe something different 
would be where you want to go. Um, thanks again so much to Layla for being here and sharing her experience. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks to talk more coffee with you. In the meantime, continue to drink good coffee. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and keep up with us on Instagram at totally dissolved pod. Send us questions or thoughts in the DMs or email us at totallydissolvedpod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.